welcome it's nighttime office hours and the question for this evening is is the social worker always right is the social worker always right does the social worker make decisions on my case my name is vince davis and i'm an attorney licensed in california and I am an expert in CPS cases and representing parents and family members and trying to get children back inside the family unit. Now, I tell people this all of the time. If the social worker tells you something, there is a chance that it's 50% incorrect. Why is it 50% incorrect? Well, sometimes social workers don't actually know the law and they're guessing, or they ask their office mate a question about the law instead of asking their attorney. Or they're giving you an answer to something that will fulfill what their strategy is. Or they just told you something incorrect on purpose. The other day, a grandmother called me and said, hey, Mr. Davis, is there any way possible I can get my grandchildren I said, where are your grandchildren? Well, they're, they're living in a foster home in Los Angeles. I said, well, where are you? Um, I'm up in San Francisco. And the social worker told me that because I didn't live in Los Angeles, I can't have the children placed there. It's not true. It's not true. As a matter of fact, you can live anywhere in the world and have your grandchildren placed with you. Yeah, anywhere in the world. So here's the moral of the story. If a social worker tells you something or makes a decision on a case and you don't like it, but you don't do anything about it, that becomes the law of your case. So I told this grandmother, I said, listen, you have to file this, 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 and this. Get in front of a judge and ask the judge to make the decision. I'm going to tell you a secret. The judge makes all decisions about the case. Now, if a social worker makes a decision that you don't like or that you don't agree with, but you don't bring it up in front of the judge, you don't challenge it in front of the judge, the social worker's decision becomes the law of the land for that case. So in that case with the grandmother who lived up north in Northern California and whose case was in, uh, kids were in Los Angeles, she filed the appropriate paperwork to get the children moved. Now she didn't do it by herself. I helped her, but guess what? The children got placed in her home. The social worker fought tooth and nail to try to prevent this from happening. So why does this happen? Well, I think it's one of two things or possibly both. I believe the federal money for foster children follows the children wherever they're placed. So if a child is placed here in Los Angeles, that federal money is going to come into L.A. 
if a child goes up to San Francisco, guess where the money is going to go? Going to go to the social worker in San Francisco who's going to be supervising that case, or at least a great part of it. Second reason, and it might be the more prevalent reason, uh, social worker basically loses control of the case if the children are placed in another county, another state, another country. Yeah, children can be placed in other, other countries. And, you know, what if a child or children are placed that were Los Angeles foster children, but they're placed down in Mexico? Guess what? Social worker probably can't go down there doesn't have the budget to do it, and really isn't supposed to. The social worker in Mexico, yeah, so Mexico has social workers. They're called DIF. Um, they supervise the children down in Mexico. Or if a child is placed from Los Angeles to San Francisco, the social worker in San Francisco is supposed to be the person who is supervising the case, not the social worker in Los Angeles. You know, I always scratch my head every once in a while, you know, a kid from Los Angeles will be placed in Riverside, and Riverside County never gets the call to supervise that case. Social worker just drives over, you know, hour, hour and a half, and visits the kid in Riverside because they're still supervising the case. And I guess they can bill the federal government for that case because they're still on the case. So if a social worker ever tells you something that you don't like, you should talk to an attorney and see if you can challenge that decision in court. You got to challenge these things in court. If you don't challenge these things in court, well, you're just going to have to live with the social worker's decision. And, you know, maybe seven times out of 10, five times out of 10, you're not going to like what the social worker decides. I get calls all the, all the time. Mr. Davis, the social worker said, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I scratch my head and I think, well, that's not accurate. And the, usually I get that call, you know, when social workers say, oh, the kid can't leave the county. And now, don't get me wrong, Los Angeles is not the only county that does that kind of stuff. Um, I got a call today from somebody in another Northern California county where the social worker said, oh, um, the grandmother in the, uh, down in, I think it was San Joaquin County, couldn't get the children who were from, let's say, Fresno County because she lived out of county. It's not true. Not true at all. And, you know, since we're on that subject, I'm going to tell you a quick story that happened to me on a case in Riverside County. One day, a woman calls me up with her husband and she says, you know, Mr. Davis, I've been trying to get my niece out of foster care in Riverside County. And um, me and my husband, we were there on the first court hearing. You know, I said, what? Where do you live? Well, we live in, I think it was North Dakota, somewhere, you know, in mid United States. And we went to the very first detention hearing in Riverside out there in Palm Springs or near Palm Springs. And I said, well, I know that court fairly well. Been there several times. She said, but it's been more than 
I would say 18 months, and we still haven't gotten the kid. And I said, what? So what happened was, apparently the social worker dragged her feet and didn't want the case, or didn't want the child placed, you know, in North Dakota with these relatives. Now let me tell you about the relatives for a second. The female, the mother, in the, or the wife in, the, in this um, relationship, was a business owner, very successful business owner, and um, she was in, I won't say the business, but it was a very successful business in her state, not in her city, not in her county, in her state. And the husband, well, he was the principal of a local uh, high school, and he was a deacon at his church. None of them had criminal records. They were fine, upstanding citizens. Well, the social worker in Palm Springs wanted the child to stay with the foster parents in Palm Springs or in the Riverside County area. Now, that's my opinion, right? Um, I could find no other explanation for it. And they, the social worker drugged their feet in getting what's called the ICPC approved, the Interstate Compact for the Placement of Children. And finally, when it was approved to ship the ch child back to North Dakota, uh, it strangely sat on the worker's desk for weeks, if not several months. Now we get to the 366.26 hearing, and the social worker is recommending that the parents' rights be terminated. And the parents were, you know, nowhere to be found allegedly using drugs and the parent and the relatives called me and said is there any chance that we could get this child placed with us and i said well you know what you're not asking the right question what you should be asking me is is there a probability that you can get the child placed with you you know more probable than not i said the answer to that question is probably no the reason being, you've waited so long. And here's their response. Well, we thought the social worker would do the right thing. We thought the social worker would place this child with relatives. That's what they thought. They happened to be wrong. I've seen it in many cases all over California. And it probably happens all over the United States. As a matter of fact, I know that it happens all over the United States. I get calls from people with these crazy social worker stories. Anyway, I tell them that it's not probable, all right? And they say, well, we have to try. We have to try to get this child placed with us. It's family, it's blood. These people are from North Dakota. You know, family means everything. Go to court, file the paperwork, judge decides to give me a hearing. Judge didn't have to decide to give me a hearing. When I filed my 388, the first thing the judge could have said was no, no hearing. And I remember going down there arguing it, and everyone in the courtroom, the county council, the minors council, um, and I was gonna say the father's council, but I don't think the father's council even appeared, argued that the judge shouldn't even give me a hearing on this case. 
Well, we had the hearing, and uh, I lost. The judge ruled that since the child had been with the foster parents so long, that the child had, you know, physically, emotionally, and psychologically bonded with the foster parents. Neither I nor my clients could deny that. I just happened to be of the opinion that family trumps foster care placement no matter how long it is. Now, that's just my personal opinion. That's not necessarily the law, and it's, you know, one of those things in California where it could go either way, especially when there was maybe negligence or wrongdoing by the social worker, who, in my mind, this is just my opinion, set this whole thing up so that the, the relatives out of state couldn't get the child. Now, I want to tell you something. What made it even harder for me is that, you know, these foster parents, you know, they were foster parents from heaven. They were apparently great people, excuse me, great people, religious, both hardworking. You know, if I remember correctly, you know, uh, the husband was uh, in the trade. I think he was a contractor or something. And uh, the mother was a um, school teacher or a nursery school teacher. You know, they weren't, they weren't drug addicts. And, you know, they didn't have any criminal history. I mean, they seemed to be perfect if he had to pick a family for this little baby. So we lost. Um, my clients, you know, were very saddened, but they said they had to give it a try. And um, after the trial, they went back home and, uh, you know, contacted me a couple of times. Um, just for my thoughts of regarding an appeal and regarding a possible lawsuit, you know, and all that kind of, you know, legal stuff. But, you know, I felt sorry. This child, this family, and it was a large family um, all over, you know, the United States, they had lost this child because nobody forced the social worker to place the child with the family until it was too late. See, a lot of relatives come to me and say, hey, you know what? I didn't come forward. I thought, you know, the social worker would uh, place the child with me if they had to. If they had to. In other words, if the parents don't get the child back, you know, I'll step up. That's not how it works, people. That's not how it works in juvenile dependency cases. That's not how it works in CPS cases. If you're a relative or family friend, Yes, I said family friend. If you're a relative or family friend, step up now. Talk to a lawyer. Talk to the social worker. Talk to the minor's attorney. Let them know that you are there to provide a resource and a home for this child. All right? So don't necessarily accept the social worker's decision or the social worker's lack of diligence. Do something on the case. File something with the judge. Go present evidence to the judge. Present, you know, ask for that hearing. All right, so that's what I want you to do. Now, I see there's a, a, a question from Red Queen. And Red Queen has been following me across social media on my radio show on KABC 790 Talk Radio on Saturdays. Little plug there. Um, Red King asks, why can care, 
why can caregivers keep you from speaking to your child? I don't think they can, unless there is some court order. You know, the, the scenarios are infinite, Miss Red Queen. They're infinite. The judge could have ordered you or ordered that you not have uh, phone visits with your children. You have to look in the minute orders or talk to your attorney. Absent a court order, if the social worker told the foster parent, you can't talk to the children, uh, that's something you had to take in front of the judge. Because unless there is a court order, um, the social worker is not supposed to be limiting your visitation. As a matter of fact, the whole goal is reunification, including um, visitation, even during COVID. You know, the state of California and probably like most states issued emergency orders to try to straighten out social workers who had stopped all visits because of the pandemic. And basically the court and the, the rules for the state says, no, 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 you can't stop visits just because you believe it's going to be detrimental regarding a pandemic. There's other ways for you to have visitation. Um, you could have it on the Internet. You can have it, uh, you know, via Skype via Facebook, via, you know, FaceTime. There's so many different alternatives, you know, and there's always the telephone. You can visit with the telephone. So, no, my opinion or my answer would be they can, care, care, caretakers cannot keep you from speaking to your child because that's tantamount to not being able to visit with your child. Now, there are several exceptions that I can think of, all right? So that's not just a blanket rule. And I don't know all of the facts behind your particular situation, Ms. Red Queen, but, you know, um, this is something you gotta talk to your attorney about quickly. And by the way, if you're going to communicate with the social worker without your attorney, it should probably be done via email so that you and everybody in the future will have a record. We'll have a record of what was said and how it was said. Because you know, um, I, I've had many clients that tell me, oh, Mr. Davis, I called the social worker 10 times and she never returned my call. And of course, when the social worker gets on the stand and she's, I said, how many times did my client call you? Your clients never called me, Mr. Davis. What? Like, how do you prove whether somebody called absent, you know, having an iPhone and saying, oh, look at the call history, right? But if it's in an email or a text, you got it. Those are digital. She can't deny receiving it or um, responding to it. Now, I have seen a social worker on the stand say, I didn't receive that call, you know? And of course, um, it's illegal in California to tape record calls. Um, so that's something that uh, you got to consider. One last quick story. This happened years ago, years ago. And I think I may have told the story before, but forgive me. It's such a good story. I went to court and um, I think it was at the 12-month date. And it was even before um, they even changed the laws and they called it a 12-month date. It was called the PPH hearing, the permanency planning hearing. And it was the last hearing before the client could possibly lose her children permanently. And the social worker, I mean, my client told me, look, the social worker has already told me he's returning the kids. 
you know, you don't have to worry about having a trial. Okay, great. Get to court, new report. Report says, no, nope, uh, mother should not get her kids back. And I asked my client, I said, hey, you know, I thought you said social worker was giving you the kids back. He did, Mr. Davis. That's what he said. I can't believe he wrote that report. So I made this representation to the judge, just said, okay, well, we don't want to set a trial unnecessarily. Um, you know, have the social worker and the mother meet again, and social worker can turn in a new report. They meet. I'm not present, right? They meet. Allegedly, the social worker says the same thing. You should get your kids back. Come up to the next hearing. Don't worry about the trial, Mr. Davis. Social worker says, I'm getting my kids back. Get to court. Guess what the report says? Report says mother should not get her kids back. You know, I'm looking at my client like, lady, come on. I mean, why are you telling me these lies? Mr. Davis, I'm not lying to you. That's what he told me. So I get in front of the judge. I tell the judge the same thing. I said, look, but, you know, um, we don't have to waste time, judge. We, let's just have a trial. Judge says, no, I don't want to set a trial, waste court time, if the, if the county is going to give the child back. And the judge turns and looks at the county counsel and says, do you think the social worker is telling the mother this? And the county counsel says, no, I don't. I think the social worker is telling us exactly, and I think Mr. Davis' client is lying. Now, I used to be famous for having lying clients. Uh, nobody really wanted to believe them, especially if they were a county counsel who represents social workers. But I love county counsel. They're, they're good attorneys and they're doing their job. Okay, judge says one last time. They meet at a local like restaurant, a Denny's, something like that. <laughs> and the, uh, my client, unbeknownst to me, tape records the conversation. And again, the same thing happens. She tells me this is what the social worker said. I got it on tape. Now, you know, this was many years ago, and it's, you know, they don't have these sophisticated recording devices like they have now. So this lady went really out of her way to go James Bond on this guy, on this social worker. And she plays me the tape. Because even I'm starting to have my doubts about my client's veracity in this situation. And of course, the social worker did say on the tape, yes, I am going to give you your kids back. You deserve your kids back. Come back, third report, guy says the same thing. Social worker says, no, don't return the kids to the mom. I, I, I don't want that. But, you know, I got the thing on, on tape. So I tell the county council, um, very nice county council, very professional, I said, hey, um, come in the conference room with me. I, I got to play you something. And so I play the tape for her. Well, she goes ballistic, not at me, at her social worker. And, you know, I've never seen this county council cuss. Um, but, you know, a few cuss words came out of her mouth. Anyway, it resolved in our favor. Mother gets the kids back. Because she had done everything anyway. But 
keep in mind that when you deal with social workers, these issues do come up about whether they're going to accurately report your conversations with them. Now in California, you know, it's different in other states, but in California, you can't record someone unless you tell them. It's a crime in California. It's punishable by, excuse me, up to one year in jail and I think a fine of 5,000 or 25,000 per recording. You know, so it's, uh, they take it quite seriously. And by the way, I should let you know that um, if you do illegally record someone without their knowledge, it's not admissible in any court of law, any administrative proceeding, nothing. It's just not admissible because the, the prohibition from doing that and, and violating the privacy uh, rights of the person you're taking, um, taping is just so important. Anyway, that's the end of our office hours this evening. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for office hours. And during the day, if that's too early for you and you want to talk to me, you're probably watching this because you have questions regarding your juvenile dependency case, you know, visit my website, fightchildprotectiveservices.com fightchildprotectiveservices.com. You know, watch my videos. I have some free videos on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, type in Vincent Davis, and my YouTube channel will come up, I believe, with my YouTube videos, giving you resources and tips and tricks uh, and pitfalls for winning cases in the CPS courts uh, against social workers. Okay, so be sure and post your questions here uh, for tomorrow morning. I'll try to answer one or two during morning office hours. So we'll see you next time.